This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle. Well, hello, everybody. This is Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. And just so you know, it is Make a Dog's Day. So if you've got a pet or just like dogs, um, just, you know, make their day today. Maybe a little bit more than normal. So one of the things my dog absolutely loves is sweet potatoes, and they're super good for them. Um, It's one of the foods that's often in the many brands of dog food out there. So a little bit of sweet potato, you could do it raw if you had some extra baked it or whatever. So And it's like candy to them. They absolutely love it. And then um, spend a little bit of extra time with them, hang out. But um, also, it's also Smart is Cool Day. And um, so being smart is cool, which, you know, we've seen tons of shows where um, the you know, of course, the uber smart kid is the nerd and picked on, and and we're all finding and probably knew this already that it's it's fine to be intelligent, uh, and so just embrace your intelligence and uh, learn even more. So um, it's it's super important to uh, be happy with in, uh, with all that. So, and as I slowly ramble this morning, uh, my apologies, but. I also have an amazing guest this morning, which will definitely get me out of uh, the rambling. The, for all of you today, I get to interview Scarlett Cole. She's should be bold and do something amazing. Uh, Scarlett Cole insists on her website right up. She's been a car maker, a consultant, even a senior executive at a large realtor during uh, running strategy. Born in England, she spent time in the United States, Japan, and before ending up in Canada, where she met her own personal hero, all six foot and a half feet of him. And one bold thing she did was become a writer. And her latest book, Love and the Numbers, is out now. You can find her on her website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and BookBub. All of the links are in the write-up of the show. Welcome, Scarlett. How are you? I'm very good indeed, thank you. How are you this morning? I'm good. So I am so excited because you are a new writer to me, so I got to – I love finding new writers for me because – I get to go back, and it's almost like finding um, this treasure trove of new reads because I was looking through all your stuff, and you have this the, the, the book that you just released, Love in the Numbers, is the first book of the fourth series you've written, correct? Yes, that's right, and I totally agree with you. It's like um, hitting a gold mine when you, you hit a rich theme of an author that you read one book and you go and find that they've published so many more before. You can just dive into them all. I know, I know. I'm so going to, like, Kindle's going to get hit hard, to, you know, this weekend because <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. So tell me about your love in the numbers. So Love in Numbers is the first book in the Love Distilled series, and um, it is set in a family-run gin distillery in Denver. Um, okay. The siblings, Emerson, Jake, and Olivia, have to step into big shoes when their father dies suddenly. And Emerson becomes the reluctant CEO. And Connor Finch is heir apparent to his father's liquor distribution business. Um, Mm -hmm. He is looking forward to his father's retirement in six months, and he's going to be um, the CEO of the company. Um, But his father has always believed that the Dyer's Gin Distillery belonged to him, and it was stolen away from him. By Emerson's father and oh, so wow. he is 
Connor has grown up um, with this family legacy of, of hatred towards the Dyer family. And so when Emerson and Connor meet on an airplane for the first time, and it's the first time they've met, um, it's, a, it's an epiphany for both of them. Wow. That's, I mean, you know, it's very much of a, you know, family rivalry, Romeo and Juliet um, type situation going back, um, obviously with a very different ending on this, but. Um, yes, and they don't, they more, don't die. <laughs> and far more sexy. <laughs> so we'll, yeah, most we'll be definitely. very happy for that part. And they're both legal. Yay. Um, Absolutely. So that's, <laughs> that's always good. Um, but yeah, it, it's. Why Dallas? Because I mean, you you live in the UK now, but why would yes. why De- I'm sorry, why Denver uh, for your set? Yeah, so I you know I'm in a previous life I was senior vice president of strategy for a retailer, and mm-hmm. you know one of the things that we always looked at is where's your market, and my uh-huh. biggest market is the US market. So um, when I was thinking about where I wanted to set my books. And I was, when I first started writing, I was still living in Toronto. So um, I was like, you know, I'm going to pick, you know, cities in the U.S. And my first series, um, the Second Circle Tattoo Series, is set in Miami. And it was mm-hmm. set in Miami because Miami is one of my favorite places. And it was in Miami that I came up with the idea for the book. I was there on a girls' weekend with my friend Tina. And um, I just suddenly had this idea for the series and before I got on the plane home, I had a, a rough idea of how all four books were going to go. So, you know, sometimes when I pick places, it's where I've been, somewhere I want to go. Um, you know, the Love Over Duty series um, came after um, RWA uh, when mm-hmm. we'd been to San Diego, but obviously that's where one of the big Navy SEAL bases are. Uh, and so with Denver, it is quite literally where Romance Rides in America was. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, I've been there and I, I can have a feel for the place and I can, um, the, the small details that I think, I strongly believe in bringing the location to life as a character. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Denver and the gin distillery play a really big part in Love in Numbers. And, uh, you know, reading through the reviews the last couple of days, um, you know, a lot of people have said, I can, I can thoroughly imagine what this place looks like. I can imagine what it looks like in the distillery. I can imagine the part of Denver that it's in. And so that's always really important to me. Yeah, the the little details is certainly what um, pulls a reader in for sure. Because, I mean, as much as you've traveled, you know, anybody can say, oh, it, it's like this, the places like this. But once you go there, it's a much different layering of sensory to walk into it and see or smell or feel all those different things uh, versus just reading yeah. out of a blog. Yeah. And, and the blogs are very yeah. well intended. It, and it's a, I think it's a good um, preview for sure. Uh, so when you mentioned coming back from Miami on your girl's trip and you'd come up with this idea, were you on the plane like feverishly scribbling or writing or, or, or typing things on the computer <laughs> or was this all like, you're plotting it in your head and then you were able to come home and write it all down. How did you do it? Well, it was a bit of a, so it was a bit of a process. We were sitting on our sun lounges enjoying a, you know, probably too early in the day, a glass of champagne. And um, I was reading this article (laughs) about a tattoo artist who specialized in tattooing over scarves. And this article stuck with me all day. And at this point I'd not written a book like this. I, I hadn't written a book. I still had my executive job. 
I read a ton of romance. It was like my favorite thing to do was read romance books. Um, and I sort of danced around the idea that I was going to give it a go writing a book. But I read this article about this tattoo artist who specialized in tattooing over scars. And it stuck with me all day. It was, the you know, the, the why, what, when, how questions. I was like, you know, yeah. why would he want to do it? Who would want tattoo? You know, what kind of scars would you want tattooing over? Why would you want to tattoo over them? Why would it be important to this person? And so in my head, I was asking all these questions, and I could see this book start to take shape. I'm like, well, okay, mm-hmm. he's got to be a tattoo artist. So who's she? Why does she want a scar tattooed over? Why would it matter to him to do it? Um, right. You know, and then in my head, so I came up with the characters of, of Trenton Harper. And I was like, well, you know, if I give her a brother... And there's conflict. Well, at some point he needs to come back. So, you know, maybe there's got to be a book where he is a hero. And then I didn't just want to write. Um, there was a lot of books at the time where it was all male crews. Like it's either mm-hmm. an all male MC or an all male tattoo studio or an all male. And I just felt like I'd read a lot of all male groups. And I've right. always thought that male and female friendships are just as important as, you know, uh, female friendships or, um, you know, I, I felt like the, I wanted to see this expression of um, male, and female, male and female friendships in books. And so right. I thought, well, if I had a tattoo studio and I put four people together, you know, they could be tattoo artists. One could be tattoo studio manager. One could do piercings. Like, who are all these people? And so yeah. over the course of, we, I think we were there for like four days. Um, over the course of these days, you know, my friend would catch me, you know, I'm, I'm a big pen and paper girl. Like, I try to go uh-huh. digital periodically, but I just love the feel of pen and paper. Um, yeah. I just start scribbling notes down. Oh, that could happen. Oh, what about that? That could happen and that could happen. <laughs> Um, and, and so by the time I got on the plane, I, I did have at least a easily explainable synopsis for all four books in the series. Okay. To sort of say, well, these are who these people are and these are, this, this is the story that comes behind it. Um, and so when I got back, I then started thinking seriously about, well, okay, now you've got this idea. How are you going to learn how to write romance because I think that's a step uh-huh. when people want to write romance they miss that step they go I've got an idea for a book and then they sit down and write it and I sort of spent some time thinking about this you know how do you learn how to write well right exactly yeah and I think people too it's it's I've, I've been with people who first come into romance writing groups or writing groups in general and they're like oh well I write technical writing all day so I know what I'm doing I'm like well yes um, it, you know the difference between there, there, and there, and past, present, and you know active and passive voices, um, the the basics. But it it is um, an art form to be able to pull that thread through an entire story to keep someone engaged. Um, and so yeah, yeah, you, uh, yeah. It, it, so did you go to? Um, did you look up local writers groups? How did you uh, how did you end up um, solving your problem of finding out? Yeah, so I think um, first of all, I watched you know lots of different authors have YouTube channels, and they you know a lot of different authors offer um, courses and classes and things. I did right. a lot of reading personally. I I got okay. a lot of um, books. Uh, Larry Brooks' Story Engineering remains my favorite. 
um, book in terms of framework of how to think about, you know, plotting and pacing. Um, You know, I did a lot of work in how do you truly bring a character's characteristics to life without Mm -hmm. telling the audience this is what the character likes and does not like or does and doesn't do, right? So, you, you know, instead of saying this person's helpful, you know, how do you through the story litter moments and interactions where you see that character being helpful? Um, You know, those kinds of nuances. Um, So, you know, I kind of divided it up, you know, plotting, pacing, characters, um, location. And I, you know, read different books, Angela Ackerman's um, series, um, Mm -hmm. You know, she has those books on the positive character traits, negative character traits, emo- the emotional yes. thesaurus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I kind of got my hand on some of those and um, read through those and kind of got ideas about how to think about characters. For me also, I I, come, I was born in the north of England. Um, and so I was born in a town that's sort of halfway between Liverpool and Manchester called Wigan. And, you know, Wigan has a really... Um, broad northern twang to it um you know we're probably not known for our sentence structures um and so <laughs> i i almost had to learn how to properly write sentences you know mm-hmm. i would okay. i i would think nothing of saying oh i rushed to the door while tying my laces well you can't be rushing and tying your lace at the same time right you're either bent over tying your lace or you're rushing to the door but you can't be doing both and, right. you know, when I first started writing, that wouldn't occur to me. I'd, I'd write that down and I would think it was a perfectly fine sentence, you know, <laughs> um, and, I, and I had to I had to realize that that wasn't, you know, proper um, grammar and English, to be honest. I, so like the art of styling sentences um, is a book that I read and I found that um, incredibly helpful to think about how to um you know, just actually write in a really good way. And so I just spent a bunch of time doing that. And because I was yeah. senior vice president of strategy at my old retailer, my job was to look sort of five years into the future and see where the market was going and then figure out how the business would need to adapt. And so I applied some of those techniques to figure out what to write in romance. So I went through, I pulled the top um, 100 books in romance and I looked at their five-star, three-star, and one-star reviews, and I identified what readers were loving, what readers were yeah. kind of eh about, and what readers were completely out on. And, you know, at the time when I was starting writing this book, at that point in time, because I know these things are trends and they change, but at that point in time, people were getting tired of cliffhangers. And people were a little bit tired of books that had started off as a three-book series, but then it became a five-book series. And then those books took too long to come out before the reader was, you know, satisfied. And so I kind of applied that then to how I thought about writing the book. So I thought, well, you know, definitely no no cliffhangers. So I didn't want, you know, an ensemble cast that had unresolved stories at the end of each book. Um, you know, one of the things that I found was people getting frustrated, you know, if a book is set in America, but you're Australian or English, sometimes we say sentences a little bit different. So, you know, you might say, I'm going to the hospital, or as opposed to I'm going to hospital. Um, 
And so I thought, well, do you know what? If I'm going to do this, I need to hire an American editor to go through this and and oh, pick wow. out when I might have been using an English an English speaking English language phraseology as opposed to an American speaking English phraseology in the way that you would say things. So I kind of, um, you know, I, I found an editor who was willing to work with me um, and, you know, help me figure some of these things out. So that, that's kind of the, the learning process I went through of, you know, how do I learn the skills to do it? How do I make sure I understand what the market's really looking for before I even put pen to paper? Well, and it's interesting you say that because, I mean, I remember, and it wasn't that long ago, I mean, you would wait for an author to write a book and then they would, you know, finally come out and you would go get it at the store um, and read it and then have to wait a year for the next book. And it didn't necessarily mean it was part of a series per se. It was just their next book. And, um, and of course, that was expanded when you have cliffhangers. But now readers are really, they're not, they're not good at waiting um, for that next book because of digital publishing and, and um, all sorts of things. And so you've got this, um, like you're saying, you have to balance of what you're trying to write with what you want your readers to stick around for. And, um, I mean, it's, it's important to know what you're able to, uh, what you're able to write and how quickly uh, does that feed the beast, as it were, to um, yeah. – of, 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 of the readers that you'd have and do you have enough to keep them occupied in the meantime? Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's, I mean, it's, it's a, a lot. problem to have. I mean, oh, for sure. having a, having an audience that is chomping at the bit and just waiting for that next book, you know, it could be worse. They readers could have forgotten about you. And then, you know, the next time you have a book out, it's cricket. So I'd rather have the, <laughs> the voracious problem. And, and as the reader, I'm the same, right? Yeah. Like, there are certain re- there are certain authors, you know, Kylie Scott, Vi Keeland, uh, Catherine Levesque, that are my personal favorite authors, and I just can't wait for their next book to come out. Like I'm I'm mm-hmm. stalking it, and you know, yesterday two of my favorite authors, Kylie and Vi, both put out books on the same day, and I'm like, oh my god, which am I going to read first? Right? <laughs> um, and even though I have my own book out on Monday, I'm still like, oh my gosh, why? how quickly can I read one of them so I can get to the other one, but I don't want to rush the first one. So which do I read first? I will literally toss a coin to figure out which one I have to go through first. So <laughs> as a reader, I get it, right? As a reader, I fully understand. And as an author, yeah, I, you've got to look at your calendar and go, oh, crikey, how quickly can I write this? And sanity, you know, I mean, because we're all balancing things um, uh, outside that, <laughs> that bubble of writing. Um, it's, I, I remember years ago and, and, you know, you mentioned RWA because, um, one of the the most enjoyable things I, I, when I'd go to the conference was running into the authors I so loved and it was never in a weird way. Like I'm going to stalk this person. Um, it, it did occasionally happen though. Um, but, uh, I remember standing in the goodie room one time and the goodie room is for anyone listening is, is people would go in and put like extra stuff. So authors would go in and put yeah. these little goodie bags or publishers would put a bunch of books in there. Um, and you could take and home, uh, if you wanted to carry 10,000 pounds of books home, which many people did. Um, I routinely did that. <laughs> routinely, yes. Um, but I was standing there one day and I look over and Sabrina Jeffries is, um, standing in the room and I thought, Oh, 
God, you know, I've read every book she's put out, and I'm standing here thinking, you know, this is my opportunity to go talk to her. And um, so I walked over and I said, I just wanted to let you know that um, every time one of your books comes out, my kids have sandwiches for dinner. Um, And (laughs) she thought that was really funny, and we had a very lovely conversation. She's very gracious. Well, then I think the next year it was in Atlanta. So we went to Anaheim and then Atlanta, and she had remembered me from the year before um, and said, oh, it's the sandwich lady. And then her agent's like, oh, it's the sandwich lady. And so and then forever on, I was the sandwich lady. Um, at anytime so I awesome. see her. I know, and it was funny because it's – and since then I've seen her several times, and we've talked, and I've talked to her publicist and everything. And so it's just it's, – it's one of those little things that you don't expect when you go to something like that. So when you're, when you're author's – become, um, you know, writer friends and acquaintances. It's just kind of this really cool club, I guess, um, that, you know, you've worked so hard just on your own stuff, and then it's all these perks that you see from that hard work. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's it's a big deal. So I, who I, have has a, been... I have a story. Yeah, please tell me. Oh, it's because I have a story of uh, a similar experience. I um... – so I'd done all this work on coming up with the idea for the for the second circle series. And I was, you know, on the fence. Do I give this a go? I feel like I should because I've got the, you know, got this idea, but I didn't know whether I should or I shouldn't. And um, J.C. Burton's play-by-play series, um, uh-huh. making my way through that series at the, at the time when I'm having this dilemma. And I was like, do you know what? This book, this series is so good and these families and they're expanding, you know, and it starts off with the two brothers and a sister. And then, you know, by the time the series is, it, we're, we're now at like second cousins and, you know, other players on different teams or whatever. It's just kind of sure. expanded out. But I was like, do you know what? I'm going to, reading that series made me think this is it. I'm going to give it a go. I always say that um, Nora Roberts' Ardmore Trilogy was the book that introduced me to romance, and J.C. Burton's play-by-play series was the romance that made me think, I'm going to give this a go. And, okay. and so the night, before, the night before my book came out, and it came out at the start of July, I, wrote, I found J.C.'s email contacts on her website, and I wrote her a letter and said, you know, tomorrow my, I've got a series coming out. Um, and I just want you to know that you reading your books gave me kind of the courage and confidence to give this a go, right? I've read the play-by-play series and I love Mick and I love the characters. And, um, and so, you know, your books are amazing, but just, you know, they, they don't sometimes just inspire us to read. Sometimes they inspire us to do other things. And JC was amazing. She was so gracious. She sent me a lovely email back, you know, big pep talk you know you can do this and and then the next day she shared my book which just made me pass out it was almost uh-huh. better than writing the book was actually having Jacy share the book <laughs> and then she dropped me a line she's like hey you going to RWA and I said yes and she said well listen I you know why don't we meet and have a coffee and so wow. I, I uh, that day I had saved because uh, I was also a uh, a Rita finalist and I had like I, I finaled for best debut and romantic suspense and uh, but outside of my Rita dress I saved my best outfit <laughs> and I was like this is it I'm gonna be JC Burton in my best <laughs> outfit and um you know so I, and I was at our suggested meeting spot like half an hour early because I didn't want to miss it and I didn't want to be late and all right. the rest of it and um I, she, you know, I'm stood there and I see her walking towards me and I'm like, be cool, be cool. It's just Jason Burton walking towards you. 
be cool. <laughs> and then she gets within like three feet of me and I'm like, oh my God, you're just <laughs> and um, I couldn't keep myself together and that was it and she was so lovely and then so we sat for like I don't know an hour or something and she gave yeah. me lots of great advice and you know because my book had only been out a few weeks then and and so it's been really lovely that every RWA since that we've both been at we've we've met up again it's just it's just been the most joyous thing yeah and and I, I found that and still find that you know, when you find those people that truly believe that you can do that, that sticks with you um, and does help through those you know, really rough patches of writing or not writing or um, even just, um, just a really bad day. Uh, just like, you know, I'm doing this because uh, other people see and believe in it too. And so that, that's a huge deal. I, I, just, I love stories like that, you know, when we're helping each other. Well, just, that's that's I- such a big deal. I think when we were talking um, uh, on Facebook, I, I shared with you that it's I've, I've had this break because I've had um, some mental health issues with perimenopausal depression. And um, it, it was it was very bad. It was yeah. it was as bad as it can probably get. And and so, you know, there was a period of time where I pretty much couldn't do anything. And so I obviously it's it's important to me to get back to romance. It's what I love. It's what I do. It's been my full-time job for years. Um, and so I, I was really keen and, you know, I'm really hopeful that um, love in numbers does well enough that I can continue to do that. And I got an, I got a message out of the blue from Vikeelan and oh, wow. she had heard from somebody else what I had gone through, what I've been going through, because I've been quite public about it on social media, because I think there's a stigma still attached to these things. And, you know, oh, I yeah. want people to know that they're, they're not alone in these things. And um, she was amazing and said, you know, it's horrible what we have to go through, um, but I'm here for you. What can I do to help? And, and so she was super gracious and has, you know, been helping me share my posts and, offers to do giveaways together and stop by her group anytime. You said, listen, I've, I've, you know, I've got a few friends. Do you mind if I share your story with them? And I said, well, sure. Cause I'm sharing this on social media anyway. P- people can go and read about it if they want to, um, especially on my Instagram. And so um, she did. And then the next thing I know, you know, Kristen Proby, Sawyer Bennett, Corin Michaels, Carrie Ann Ryan, like a whole bunch of authors that are kind of in a, you know, in a realm that I'm not in yet, um, <laughs> reached out and said the same thing and said, you know, what can, what can we do to help? And so yeah. to have this, you know, I, I said, to, I, I actually um, made a last minute addition to my acknowledgements um, for to Vi because I wanted her to know how much it meant to me that she'd done it. Um, yeah. But I put um, to Vi um, for reminding me what it looks like when another woman helps you lift the weight of your own crown. Um, and so sometimes I think those moments when we get support and encouragement and a cheer from people, it's more than just a pep talk. It's a, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's a, it's, it's a much more important thing. It's not, it's not even that it just helps us feel better about our day. It just, um, it goes a lot further than that. I think too, that a lot of times when it's a mental health issue, people aren't sure how to ask, um, 
good questions. I mean, people ask questions, but I think a lot of times maybe they're not sure what questions or how to ask it. Um, and I think yeah. just something as simple as uh, what do you need? Because it, it's yeah. – and a lot of times people may not know at the time when you ask. And so I, I think that just keep, keep checking back in with someone is, yeah. is huge. Because and, and we we've all done it when we've had you know everyone has a bad day and someone comes back and says oh how, is your day better today, but when you have a lot of bad days, um, people aren't always as good about ch- to keep checking back um, because I I guess well, part I, of it is the worry of well she's just going to be sad so what would the conversation be if I check you know um, but I think sometimes we just have to say you know this person just needs maybe to just know that someone out here's thought of them today that's huge yeah well and for me it was you know i i went six months without diagnosis and during those those six months i was convinced it was me now it was me but i was just convinced it was me i you know i i got into a very um strong negative um thought problem about myself you're procrastinating you're being lazy You've written seven books in 18 months for St. Martin's Press. You can get your ass off your chair and you can finish this book. Um, you know, real negative self-talk about sure. myself that I was just, you know, I wasn't functioning because I was, you know, just being lazy and couldn't pull my finger out and just needed to pull my socks up. And, uh, and so uh, during those six months, I also worked really hard to hide that from everybody else because there's a feeling of shame and embarrassment that goes along with that, that you, you're like, you know, I'm, I'm letting my family down. You know, if I don't put books out, I don't make money. Um, I, you know, and I have a financial contribution I need to make to our family life. Um, and so for six months, not only was I having those thoughts, but I wasn't sharing them with a single person because, um, I yeah. was, I felt too guilty and was too embarrassed. And it was it was my husband who eventually he um he dropped the children off at school in the morning and I, I remember him leaving because we had one of those, Oh, what have you got planned for today? And he's like, Oh, I'm gonna go and do this and he was working from home that day for some reason. I'm like, Oh, okay, good, I'll do this and whatever. And then I and I decided that I was gonna book this trip to London for some research I was doing. And all I had to do was book a train. I had to just figure out how I was going to get there. Did I go into Birmingham from Manchester and and across into London, or did I go, you know, straight down into London and then take the train slightly out to where I was trying to get to? Um, And then the next thing I remember was my husband saying, what's for lunch? And Mm. I had a million tabs open, and I I couldn't bring the trip to a decision. I couldn't decide what to do. I'd got, I'd even got Google Maps open, looking at pictures of, near where I was trying to get to, you know, was there parking if I took my car? Um, I just, I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't bring it to any kind of conclusion. And, it, you know, you read my bio, I've traveled all over the world. I've worked all over the world. Like this is, right. you know, I'd like to think that if you said, hey, can you get to this place in, you know, Kuala Lumpur by Tuesday? I'd be like, yeah, sure, I'm on it. Um, <laughs> but I couldn't book the train. And he just looked at me and he said, can you do me a favor? He's like, can you go talk to someone? Yeah. Um, because I think you really need to. And and by the time I got to the doctor, I was in a really bad state. It had, you know, it had progressed. You know, when you're looking at a bridge and thinking how quickly would you have to drive into it for it to, you know, 
do what you're thinking about, then yeah. you know you're in a really bad place. And so, sure. um, you know, fortunately, the National Health Service is great. Nobody in England for sure needs to suffer with mental health issues with the resources that we have available on the NHS, which are free. Um, I was quickly, obviously because of where I was at, I needed to have medication, um, which I fully endorse and would support anybody who needs it. Um, Mm -hmm. Decide what works best for you, but there is absolutely no shame or stigma in admitting you need medication. In my case, I think it was quite literally a lifesaver. Um, and, and then I just got the support that I needed to figure it out that, you know, I got cognitive behavioral therapy and therapists and, and the whole kit and caboodle, um, to get myself back on my feet. And it, it, it's been a, it's been a long journey and I'm still working through anger about it. Like I'm still, I've always been a super high achiever. I've, you know, I've done all these high profile jobs I loved writing you know the fact that my careers had to step back because of this two-year absence you know I'm I'm on release week and my release week numbers don't look like they used to when I was on a roll and I had all these different books out um sure do I still have some anger that I have to work through for that yeah definitely but am I healthy yes and that is hands down the most important thing yeah and and I and it's good that you have someone in your life who said hey you know please go go do something and help yourself I'm here um and that's huge because there's a lot of people who don't or like you're saying get your act together what's wrong with you type um and it I think for some people possibly a lot that the idea of you know just not being you know fill in the blank adjective um enough uh is is a hard one to get through. So I'm I'm very I'm I'm very glad that you have that support. That's that's massive. Well, thank you. Yeah, I think I think as well, writing can be a very solitary occupation. Yeah. And I think you can you spend a lot of time as a writer in your own head. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, we do research. And yes, we go to conferences. Um, but you you find yourself in your own head and with a. All, all this profile is being put on social media right now about how addictive it is and how it's easy to kind of need that endorphin kick you get from the likes and the comments and all the rest of it. So, you know, here we are at our desks in our own heads, surrounded by distraction. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's easy to lose track of what actually is a habit you've developed versus what is depression versus what's just blowing off steam because today's a rubbish day and it's just not going great. Like I, I, I certainly lost track of all of that. It all just blurred into one and I didn't know whether it was a, you know, a good day from a bad day. I couldn't tell anymore. Um, yeah. But I think writing certainly puts us, I think it has certain characteristics to it that, uh, make it easy to make it, I don't know whether easy is the right word, but, you know, makes you susceptible um, to depression and anxiety. Well, sure. And and it's hard too, because, and, and I think that because it's so easy to write something scathing down on um, um, in, in the cyberspace. Uh, so someone doesn't feel uh, or put much thought into saying, 
oh, well, this book was terrible because, you know, they misspelled a word on page 11, and so I gave it a one. You know, I mean, it's it's just like yeah. it's it's that kind of indifference to um, – to something that's just really minor, like maybe they wouldn't have looked at that much at all had they didn't had they not had that immediate outlet to um, write something like that. Um, and so, and it's it's just it's like it's become easy to um, just kind of vomit out everything you're thinking, uh, whether it's yeah. a good thing to put out or a bad thing. Uh, and so yeah. it it. It can be the, a great thing, like you're saying, like you've you've written about it, you've been open about the struggle you've gone through, and and who knows how many countless people you've helped doing this, um, and then the people that that have reached out to you and they've helped. Um, of course, I'm sure that there there will be people if, if they haven't already who have made commentary of, well, you just need to fill in the blank, you know, um, of, yeah. of advice. Um, and that's again. Is it helpful? I, <laughs> probably not. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's but for you to say, you know what, this is this is something I have to say. That's that's massively strong. And so I, I am so grateful for you willing to do that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, I, you know, the the biggest yeah. the biggest reward for it, to be honest, has been the letters I've had. I've had a lot of response to it, which has been, you know, is great because it shows that people do want to talk about it. But I know there are um, seven women who have sought and received treatment at the kind of level that I needed because of this. And so, you know, over the, I, I I mean, it was a two year, it was a two year battle for me, but it was um, 18 months of being, you know, diagnosis. And, um, and medication and so on and so forth. Um, but over that time, you know, I know of at least seven women who uh, required the same level of treatment that I did, but only thought, only broke that cycle of what I was going through in the first six months. There's just me. I'm being lazy. I can't do this. I'm procrastinating. And therefore, because I'm procrastinating, I feel useless and worthless and, and so on. That seven of them were able to break that cycle. So for me, you know, talking about it publicly, people are like, you sure that's what you want to do? Um, yeah, because, you know, who knows what would have happened to those seven. And then they've gone on and told other people, too, about it. So, you know, that that's a good thing. It's a it's a self-fulfilling, positive prophecy. Um, oh, and I just sure. think we, we, we need to look after each other, right? And mm-hmm. we do that by talking to each other. And, and sharing yeah. our experiences so that we don't feel alone when we're having them. Yeah. And it's interesting because you don't really realize how books, that escapism helps someone else on different levels. So, yes, you, you've written these books, but then someone will come up and say, oh, well, this is, I mean, because the, the cover's very sexy of, of your latest book. Um, um, but <laughs> it is, it's a good and, cover, isn't it? <laughs> it's a really good, it's, it's uh smooth like that gin um so yeah but it it's one of those things that people will read the book and and then say oh well, i want to know more about you if they, they they don't know um and then they go oh wait hold on she's she's like a real person um oh and she's had this and oh i know someone you know it's just like it's that process of of going through or even oh well i wonder if you know that's what's that's what's going on with 
so-and-so or me or maybe I should watch for that when I'm that age. I mean, you know, there's all these things that it just kind of keeps fueling um, each other and helping each other. So it is a big deal um, that you've got that out there. So with all that said, and you've now written this book, are you have you already written book two and three, or are those plotted, or how is that going? So, book book two is about seventy five percent written. Okay, and it picks up with Olivia, the uh, younger sister, and the book picks up at the point where the first book ends. Um, okay, and so and so that's going to come out in February, uh, and okay. I've also um, the second circle series and the preload series have a really devoted following and i I mean i'm Mm -hmm. incredibly blessed by that but there you know there are people who um certainly lennon in uh, the preload series lennon reborn i did something so horrible to lennon in that story um (laughs) and so the i made the hashtag i survived chapter three for that book and um you know i there was a, a wonderful lady called lynn who came up to me at my one of my signings and she'd actually had a t-shirt made with the band names on the back and I survived chapter three on the front Um, (laughs) and so people and and certainly with the preload boys I didn't really want to stop writing them I I I finished their stories and they've been they're perfect like HEAs right I mean they're exactly where you want them to be at the end of a romance you feel good about them I just didn't want to let them go yet like I wasn't Uh I still don't feel ready to let them go so I have a a secret, well, it's not really a secret. I, I was telling everybody I wasn't writing it, but I was writing it really. I've done a Christmas crossover novella between the two series, which is it's the wedding of one of the couples at Christmas. Okay. And everybody gets together um, because the preload series is a spinoff of the Second Circle series. So the characters okay. all know each other. And so they all get together. But obviously I've written it real time. So it's 2020 when they get together so these characters have got bearing in mind the strongest steel came out in 2015 you know five years of time has gone by for some of these books and so i've been able to build a continuation of their lives and you know whether they have children did they get married what are they doing did they they pursue those dreams that they said they were going to set out to pursue you know wherever i left them in their books so it was good to go back and figure out where i'd left all of these characters at in their lives and, yeah. uh, and because I'm a geek, I did all of this on Aeon Timeline. Like, I don't know if you use Aeon. It's a project management software, but it's amazing for keeping track of ages of people. And when things happen, you can say, oh, when this incident happened, you go back and like, oh, exactly two years ago. Um, wow. So I, I that sounds like a perfect Aeon story Timeline. Bible program. <laughs> yeah. It, oh, it totally is. And um, and so I was like, right, this is this time I'm going to pick them all back up. So I've got that coming out closer to Christmas. Um, but then I've okay. got book two in February and then book three in June. Wow. Okay. So just that is so cool. And you've got all this coming out. And then what's the, what is the um, novella coming out, the, the title uh, for the holidays? I don't know yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so people just I, have to keep checking I back. I, so, well, so for the longest time, like I say, I kept saying in my, like, social media like you know if I was to write a Christmas novella I'd have to figure out you know how old Petal was or if I was to write a Christmas novella maybe I'd have to go and do this and so it's just been referred to as the Christmas novella this entire time and so I um my my 
second circle series are all the something something so the strongest steel the fractured heart the purest hook the darkest link so it's got to go with that but yeah. I've kind of got I don't know I'm like the Christmas wish I don't know the deepest love it's going so I've got a list I've got a list I've just not picked it yet and I will literally when my friend Tanya doesn't know it yet but I'm going to ask her to make me the cover um I'll just I'll pick one on that day okay and that'll be it <laughs> That'll be it. And so if you want to find out what the title will be, you're going to have to keep checking into her website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Absolutely. And all of those links are in the write-up of the show. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Uh, you're more than welcome. It's been a pleasure anytime. Oh, good. And so please come back and let's talk about your next couple of books uh, when, they, when they hit. I would love to do that. Thanks so much for inviting me today, Patricia. Absolutely. And this has been Patricia W. Fisher with Readers Entertainment Radio. And please, please make sure that you take good care of yourselves, get a good book, and then always reach out if you feel like you need help. Keep on reading, everybody. This show brought to you by Circle of Seven Productions, www.cosproductions.com. Please be sure to subscribe and welcome to our circle.